Amen. Thank you, Meg. Well, I invite your attention to Mark chapter 8 this morning, and I do want to let you know it has been exactly 168 hours and 55 seconds since we last had a sermon here. So if you're keeping track, uh, my timer from last week never apparently got reset, and that explains why the battery life has been draining like mad the last week. So uh, it is what it is, uh, as it is. Uh, but as you come, I, I just want to remind ourselves that, you know, often it's said that, you know, I could just go worship Jesus at home or I could worship Jesus wherever that, friends, coming together in the body of Christ is one of the greatest, it is one of the greatest blessings God has given you outside of salvation to be here amongst God's people, to, to worship, to be accountable, to praise God together. This is what it's all about. Uh, there's been a big debate with pastors online whether we should, we should keep and count online visitors as part of our attendance. And uh, it sounds really silly, and it is, because the, the fellowship of the saints will always be the greatest blessing that we have, despite all the technology coming together, worshiping and hearing the, the Word of God preached. And next week, you get to hear from your very own, hi, John, John Higgins is preaching next week as he comes. Uh, we'll be in our sixth mark of a healthy church on church membership. Uh, as it is. So, John, thanks for preaching next week as we look forward to that as well. Well, you got Mark chapter 8, and I, you know, we're going on vacation this week. We'll be back next Sunday. We're going down to Johnson shut-ins uh, this week to go with our kids, but uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But, you know, I wish we had a plane to go on, P-L-A-N-E, like this guy. Um, many of you all have heard this story already this week as I'm finding my way to Mark myself, but this is Jesse Duplantis, and He's been around for a long time. I think he's had white hair since Moses. Every time I see him, he's got white hair. But one thing is for sure, he, he has come out to say that Jesus told him he has to get a private jet. Price tag, $54 million. And because, as Duplantis said, Jesus has a real nice taste in planes, end quote. He's a leader of Jesse Duplantis Ministries, and he's the owner of other private jets. Now, why he couldn't sell those other private jets to get a new one, I have no idea. But he's asking his followers to chip in for his private jet, a brand new Docelot Falcon 7X. Sounds like something from Star Wars, but there it is. And according to his website, this is what he said. Jesus would never have ridden on a donkey back in those days. He would have ridden on an airplane, just like I'm asking you to let me do. Can I get a private jet? Is that all right? I'm just kidding, by the way. And what he went on to say, it says, it is one of the greatest statements, Duplantis said, the Lord ever told me, Jesse, do you want me to come up where I am? Then I want you to bleed me for a Falcon 7X. Well, apparently Jesus died for a Falcon 7X. Who knew as that stuff came? Friends, you can't make this stuff up. Some of y'all talked about this even before church. This is a true guy getting on true television saying not true things as it is. Jesus is very clear. This is why the prosperity gospel is no gospel at all. It is plain and simple heresy, straight from the pit of hell, if I can be so clear. But Jesus was exclusive in his teaching. He was not accepting of all these little random things. And we're going to get into that because Jesus is going to tell us today there is a truth, there is falsehood, and you need to be aware of it because don't believe everything that you hear, especially to give to him. You may recall three years ago, his brother in the prosperity gospel, Dr. Creflo Dollar, uh, which if that's not a funny last name to have as a preacher, Dollar, uh, bless him, uh, he also raised $54 million and got a private jet. So three years on, they need to raise one up again. 
But friends, our Savior drew a very fine line in the sand. Jesus wasn't in, 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 inclusive and tolerant of those on the wrong end of the truth. He was exclusive and intolerant of those who caught to taught contrary to the truth. I mean, would you go to a doctor who thought it was okay to take part of your medicine and lace it with a poison that could take your life? You'd be crazy if you did, wouldn't you? And so much is the truth about false teaching. This is why in Jeremiah 23, 6, as Amy will put up on the screen, it reminds us that do not listen to what prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, but not from the mouth or from the Lord. But, Pastor, can't we just all get along and sing kumbaya? Yeah, that'd be great over a marshmallow, but not over truth. Because what we know is that this is what keeps people from coming to Christ. And Jesus here in Mark 8 is issuing a stern warning about three groups, especially two, the Pharisees, the Herodians, and we'll also look at the Sadducees. Because we live in a world, friends, that are surrounded by deviant teaching. And it's only, you know, some of these guys on these ministries will say, well, I only want to speak what's positive. Well, that's great because Jesus spoke both positive and negative, And he said that the negative weight holds even more than the positive because unless you understand the bad news, you'll never understand why the good news makes sense. Grace gives you boundaries, and that is what it's about. So why would we want to climb over any of God's fences in our lives, the safeguards that he's given us? Friends, you may be weary here living in a broken down world, but praise God, there is a new world coming, amen, that he has given us without all this falsehood. Our big idea today is that our erratic hearts and slow growth to maturity don't have the power to abandon what God has done in the work of grace he's begun in us. And for us, that's great news. Because there are times we want to bite into some of this stuff and say, man, that sounds really good. But like that apple that looks good, when you bite into it, sometimes a worm wiggles out and it doesn't taste so good after all. Friends, as we look at this, I want to remind you that God calls us to grow up in the faith and to feed ourselves the Word of God by the grace of God to know what the truth of God is. And so two things this morning. Two things, oh my, that means one of these is going to be loaded up because we're missing a third point, right? But as disciples, we'll see the great works that God has, but sometimes we will fail to fully understand. We will still misunderstand our Lord's words, and we will still misunderstand our Lord's work. Because like the disciples, sometimes we're going to be asked this question by Jesus, the same question he asked these disciples, do you still not understand but friends, not understanding and accepting false truth are two sides of a very different coin. And these disciples are following Christ, they're listening to Christ, they're with Christ, they've begun the baby steps, but they're still theological toddlers, if you want to use that framework. They still suffer from selected hearing with doctrinal diapers that don't make a whole lot of sense. And they're in need of spiritual development and maturity. They can only handle the milk, but they need the meat because false teaching like us today is ever around them. And they are slow to mature into adulthood. They're still sucking their spiritual thumb. They're still covering their eyes saying, la, 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 I can't hear you. And they're still slow to understand. But Jesus is going to confront them about this because they are going to tell him right information, but they're also going to really miss the forest for the trees on some other stuff. 
just want to remind you that Jesus is in his final year of his ministry here in Mark 8. He's in the first half of his final year, what many would call the retirement ministry. Not retiring from ministry, but he's headed to his ultimate goal, which is the cross. And Jesus is going to throw out some sarcasm today, guys, as he confronts false teaching. Some of you all love sarcasm. You're thinking about a sarcastic joke even as I speak. But what he is going to do is remind them that even though they are around him all the time, they are still susceptible to the temptation to buy into things that are not of Christ. And oh, that is true for us today as well. If you're able to, uh, as we do in honor of God's word, would you stand with me as we read Mark 8, 14 through 21 this morning? Mark 8, 14 through 21. And this is what it says. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread. You, I'll, I'll just interlude here that you may recall that a couple weeks ago we looked at the feeding of the 4,000. So now that's on their mind. And they had forgotten to bring bread, verse 14, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, Jesus did, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began, that's the disciples, discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, here comes the sarcasm, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are, are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets of full broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And verse 21, and Jesus said to them, do you not yet understand? This lesson reminds us how easily, even as mature Christians, as I know many of you are in this room, how easy it is to slip into the mode of just being on autopilot spiritually and letting the winds of anything blow us around. May, may if anything today we be reminded that God's truth is truth for all time, and that even though false teaching comes, this is what we need to be remembering. Will you bow with me as we pray, as we open up? Father, as we come before you, we are just so reminded of the fact that, Lord, everywhere we turn, on the TV, on, the, on our phones, on the newspaper, on the radio, on the billboards, in our neighborhoods, there is just false truth everywhere. Father, whether that is false truth in the written form, the, the, the audio form, or, or just the visual Father, we need to be reminded of what it means to follow you today. Help us, Lord, if we have dull hearing or, or understanding like the disciples, to be awakened, to be quickened by your Spirit, to walk with you in greater sanctification, greater holiness for your name's sake. Father, thank you for these dear saints here today. We pray for your wisdom. May your will be done, we pray in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you as you do. So there are times that we are going to misunderstand what the Lord says. And so as Amy turns to it, we still, even as Christians, may misunderstand our Lord's words. And I want you to notice there in verse 14, the absent-minded disciples. Just, this appears to be an innocent mistake. I mean, these guys, are, how, how, my wife and I are having this discussion a couple weeks ago. How infuriating would it be to talk to Jesus sometimes? Hey, Jesus, give me bread. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus, just, come on, man, just speak straight as it is. But Jesus is teaching them a very important lesson here. They're thinking about food, and, and one of them's probably hungry, 
And, and, and he says, pass the bread. But these absent-minded disciples had forgotten to bring bread. In their haste from last week, you, if you recall, if you were here last week, uh, Jesus had rode in from the Gentile side of the lake, and he went over, and the Pharisees were there, and they really didn't even get out of the boat. They just got, Jesus spoke his peace, and they left, and that's what it was. And in their haste to leave, they forgot to secure provisions. But this shows this is one of their duties. Jesus brought the spiritual meal. They were to bring the physical, and they forgot to do it. It's basic level ministry. And it seems so innocent, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, we all forget food. I mean, any parent in here has been in a car before where you've not been able to, to remember the snacks that you have for your kids, and they cry and cry and cry. I mean, it's an innocent mistake. But it shows an unfaithfulness to a degree about them. They were in charge of feeding the group, and they did not provide for the group. And so what is the application just right out of the gate? is that the basic requirements that God has entrusted to you, are you fulfilling those? Has God given you something to do in this church? Whether I'm just, I just threw out a list, closing the building, bulletins, nursery, setting up chairs, lawn care. Uh, we've got a whole bunch. We've got a pallet full of uh, mulch out there. If you're really bored, we can do that after church. That'd be a lot of fun. But whatever it is, these disciples, absent-minded as they are, forgot how important even bringing bread was, not just to feed them physically, but it was God's work. So the most, some of the most simple tasks that we do here as a church, or you do at home, or wherever you are, is to be faithful. Is this why Jesus reminded us to be faithful in little is to be faithful with much? Because as He allows us to be given what it is, to be faithful in the small assignments is to do what the Lord has entrusted us. But these men had forgotten the small details, and therefore, they had lost what it was. So you notice what happens. They got a word, an authoritative word. So they're going to get some teaching from Jesus. So notice verse 15, that he says to them, and he cautioned them. They're probably thinking, Jesus, you can just create bread coming out, man. Come on, you're a bakery yourself. Just do this. But he cautioned them, verse 15, saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Your Bible may say there in verse 15, it may say he gave orders to them or he, he commanded them, but that's what he does. He continually commands them. He continually instructs them. Because if they do that with the physical and they forget the physical, how will they be able to take care of the spiritual? And, and the verb tense here is one that he's been giving this order to them time and time again. It's not like Jesus went up to them and just said, hey, guys, don't forget the bread, like every, every wife does a husband, you know, because we, 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 we always remember the first time, right? That's how it goes. But the, 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 the thought here is, is that Jesus has been telling them over and over and over and over again, and they're still not getting it. And this is the physical part. This is the spiritual part. But he tells them, watch out. You really need to get this. There's more of a present danger here than just the bread that you forgot. Jesus is calling them for them to be spiritually discerning. Friends, if there's one thing that churches and individuals need to have in today's age, it is discernment. Discernment means that you know not just what is good, not just what is better, but as I prayed earlier, you know what is best. And what that means is, is sometimes you're going to have people come to you and bring you things, spiritually speaking, where you just need to say flat out, no, that's just wrong. And you may have to say it in so many words, politely and nice as you are with sweet tea, but you say it as it is. 
There are things that, as Christians, we need to be intolerant of. But, Darren, we live in a pluralistic, post-Christian, modern society that can't we just all get along? Well, that's not what Jesus says here. Jesus is very clear that there is going to be times where you have to draw the line in the sand, as he even did in John 8 with the woman uh, caught in adultery. He tells him about leaven. I'm not a cook. I'm looking around. A lot of y'all are very good cooks. And if you want to create a church cookbook, please do that. We need those good recipes. Please do it. But he tells them about leaven. He tells them the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And, and what he's telling them is, is that these people, these groups of people, the religious leaders and the Herodians, the political crowd, are going to get into your teaching and they're going to mess it all up. It's like when you throw in an ingredient in your, in, your, in your cooking and it just messes it all up. Sometimes it works, but oftentimes it doesn't. And Leviticus 2.11 says, no grain offering you bring shall be made with leaven. Christ, who knew no sin, knew there could be no leaven and there could be no false teaching within truth for the truth to go forward. And so false teaching just comes in. And I want to break these down in more detail, first with the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, we talk about Pharisees all the time, but the leaven of the Pharisees is a teaching, a religious teaching that preys upon people that says to you, send me a check so I can go, so I can go uh, buy a $54 million jet. Why don't you sit and coach like the rest of us and share the gospel with those people who probably aren't Christian right next to you? That might be a good thing. But what's at the center of this is these people, according to verse 11 of chapter 8, these people, the Pharisees, had come and began to argue with him to test him. These religious leaders, this leaven, this false teaching of the Pharisees were those who were concerned about the outward appearance, but whose heart was full of dead man's bones. I just grabbed some phrases for, throughout uh, the Bible here about the Pharisees. They were blind, leading the blind. They made commandments of no effect. Jesus called them hypocrites, teaching one another and practicing one. They did their works to be seen by men. They loved attention. They loved religious titles. They perverted others from finding the way to God. They used religion to make people feel better, but in the end it made them feel worse. They made distinctions where God did not. They were sticklers for some commandments. We're going to minor, major on this minor, but on the major we're, we don't even care. And they honored men with their lips, but before God they were heartless souls that just had religious titles. Do we see this today? Do we see the leaven of the Pharisees in the church today in America, around, wherever? The Yes, we do. Friends, we do this all the time in churches. We just don't know it. In fact, in churches that have little traditions on membership roles, buildings and rituals and routines that are not founded on Scripture, they're founded on tradition. And we've talked about before, not all tradition is bad, but when it overtakes the place like the Pharisees of what God has told us to do, then that's a problem. There's no teaching of the Word in these churches. There's no teaching of repentance. It's 11 o'clock sharp, and it's dull noon, because that's exactly what it is everywhere. So Pharisees today, what Jesus is warning us about, are these are people who will put on a great show, but go out and do everything else otherwise. I can remember, it's been several years ago, but many of you are familiar with the, 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 the Newsboys, the, uh, the Christian band, the Newsboys. They're about as old as Moses is now, I think, still flipping around on upside-down uh, uh, drums, if you've ever seen their show. But there was, a, there was a member of the Newsboys that was on a dating show late night, I remember watching, 
And this man would not give his name out. He just said he's a famous Christian artist. And he was on a, just a raunchy, like, Jerry Springer-type show uh, late night. Why was I watching this? I was RA on duty in William Jewell College. I had nothing better to do with my time. That's all it was. And I recognized him. And he didn't say his real name. He was on a, a show saying things, doing things, and eventually it came out that this man was walking contrary to exactly everything he had said to do. Teaching one thing through songs that influenced a generation of youth and adults, and then on the side doing this completely other thing. In some sense, that is exactly what the leaven of the Pharisees is. These are people who teach us that holiness is just what you do on a Sunday morning. It doesn't matter what you do the rest of the week. Friends, and if there's any takeaway from this, I pray it's that we pursue transparent holiness that our lives match up with what we say, that what we say mirrors what we do here, that what we do here is what we take it with out there. Because people will go to hell with this worldview, thinking that they are waking up in heaven when really they're just raising a hand, walking an aisle, signing a card, never having to count the cost and turn from sin. That's why the way we share the gospel really does matter because it really matters how people see Jesus and it really matters how they see Jesus because how they see Jesus will matter what they really know about Jesus. So friends, to, would you pray as a takeaway that our church doesn't become a leaven of the Pharisees where we allow a little bit of mistruth to apply to everything that we do in the name of truth. I hope that makes sense. You also see there in verse 12, uh, 15 as it is, the leaven of Herod. Now, I know this sounds like two different bakeries, right? Like Sarah Lee and uh, uh, Aldi brand. The, uh, I don't even know what the Aldi brand is. I think it's just Aldi brand is what it is. But it's kind of what we're getting at here. But, but Jesus is poking at it. Remember, these, these disciples are, are worried about the bread. They're worried about the food. And Jesus says, worry about the religious guys and now the political guys, the, the Herodians, the leaven of Herod. This refers to Herod Antipas. You may remember this from back in February. The man who beheaded John the Baptist, you may recall, and he, he did this. And, and these were people who, who mostly wanted political favor. They would sell their soul at the altar of politics if it meant that their religion might get a little bit further along in the line. Doesn't sound like today at all, does it? Not a religious sect, but a political party. They would align themselves with Pharisees when it was convenient, when both their interests were good. You do this, Pharisees. We'll do this, Herodians. It all works good. They were politicos first who used religion to advance the gospel. Do, who are these today? It's very clear. These are people who at any election cycle will tell you, if you don't get this person in office, therefore the gospel's gone and the kingdom of God's going to fall apart. Friends, the kingdom of God will never fall apart because it's not politicalness that holds it together. It's Jesus Christ that holds it together. When the kingdom of God comes first, that is when you know that someone is not walking hand with politics and religion. They're walking in with the gospel first. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners here. We're aliens in a foreign land. And we do not use religion when convenient to support our political platform, whatever that is. So what is the leaven of Herod? It's, it's a good reminder to us that God's providence, not politics, rules. Don't you remember this in the story of Daniel? Daniel was a politician. He stood up, and he, 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 he stood up against the false truth of the day, and God still used him, even though they tried to throw him into the lion's den. 
Wouldn't you love to have been there with the lions? I, don't, I would have been scared to death. And, and Daniel's just like petting the lions. I don't know, whatever he's doing down there in the lion's den. He's just doing it. It's, he's doing it. But the leaven of the, Her- of the, of the Her- Herodians is very simple. I, I praise God we don't see that here at our church. I really do. What I say is not meant for someone here, but to set a guard against all around us. We see the leaven of Herod and the politics of churches who, who will use their, their massive influence to influence a, a church or an association or a denomination a certain political way. Friends, Jesus is not Republican. Jesus is not Democrat. Jesus is not independent. Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's what we know. And what Jesus is reminding us here about is that the leaven of church politics tolerates sin within the church as long as they get the voters to show up at the voting booth. And that is false teaching. I've harped on politics the last three weeks, and I don't do that intentionally otherwise to say that, friends, this is a warning of Jesus. We should, as Christians, have a voice in the political arena. Amen? We should. But we do that tempered with the fact that that is not our Savior. Our Savior is the risen Jesus who has long lasted out and will forever every kingdom. Look, this kingdom will fall as America someday. And I pray, look, I love America. Please hear me clearly. But someday America will pass away, probably long after we are all long gone. But the one kingdom that stands is the kingdom of God. So as we engage in politics, may we do so with grace, humility, and boldness. But even if whatever we're supporting fails, may we know that we serve a kingdom that is unshakable, that never fails. I pray we see that. And I'm going to ask you to jump over to Matthew chapter 16. I told you this first point is going to be the longest one. Hold your spot there in Mark 8, but jump over to Matthew chapter 16, just a book back. And I want to show you, because we're going to look at the parallel account that Jesus gives us here. Uh, Mark is recording, as you know, to a Gentile audience. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. So Matthew actually includes one more, uh, uh, one more group that, that Jesus warns against. Here, Matthew chapter 16 uh, and verse 6. Matthew 16 and verse 6. Just going to read this one verse. And it says, Jesus said to them, Watch and be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's interesting, isn't it? Mark includes Herod, uh, the political side, and Matthew, writing to his Jewish people, includes the religious parties. So who are the Sadducees? Dave, Dave, uh, uh, tie-dye buffalo, I can't think of your name offhand. You, Dave, Dave. Dave and I have been joking all morning about bad pastor jokes, and you know why the Pharisees are sad. They're sad, you see. You see, that's a bad pastor joke. I'm going to let that one sink in for some of you after church, as it is. So if the Pharisees are the political crowd, or excuse me, the Pharisees are the religious crowd to avoid, to not be someone who says one thing and do another, teach one thing and do another, if the Herodians are the political crowd not to mix politics and faith to a point where the Bible and faith is dismissed for the sake of political gain, the Sadducees are what you might call today the liberals of theology. Liberalism in churches today rules. I, look, I could give you story after story. There are churches, Lauren and I have talked numerous times about this. There are churches all over here who used to be strong in the faith and did this and did that, who got one little thing in there, and, and, and now there's liberal as a liberal could be. What do I mean by liberal? You deny the resurrection ever happened. 
You deny the Bible's true. You deny Jesus is the only way to heaven. You deny that there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, uh, by, you know, in Christ alone, all those things. So the Sadducees are bringing liberal theology. There are those guys just set up and like, yeah, that sounds good. Kind of going to Golden Crowd. Give me a little this. Give me a little that. Let me add it here, add it there. But they're still Jewish, but they're liberal. And they included powerful members of the priesthood. They rejected the elders, the traditions of the Pharisees. They, they did not believe in the resurrection. They did, the Sadducees did not believe in spirits or angels. But Jesus told them several things in Scripture. He told them that they did not know the Scriptures. He told them in Matthew 22, they did not know the power of God. They did not know uh, and failed to believe that, that Jesus was born of a virgin. So are these people still around today? Absolutely. More so in uh, urban areas than, than rural areas, although I have a, a brother who will probably be watching this who will tell you that there are rural churches out in, in, in the middle of nowhere, like literally in the middle of nowhere, who, who used to be liberal, who uh, this brother shared with me a couple weeks ago when we met for lunch. He said, you know, there was a church out in, I think it was in Nebraska, where he, uh, the pastor there, had the privilege for the first time in her life at age 70-something to buy her first actual Bible. This is like Nebraska, like way up there, like, you know, way up there, like you've never been there before. Liberalness can hit even the smallest of churches. And they go, these people today, they take parts of God's word and reject the rest. They accept some of God's reasoning, but they object the rest. They jettison it quickly. So friends, what do we need to do? What do we do with this? The last thing, and, and Amy will put this up, is don't doubt God's word, church. Just because Dr. So-and-so on History Channel told you that this, that, and the other does not mean Dr. So-and-so is correct. Dr. So-and-so got a degree from Dr. So-and-so who got a degree from Dr. So-and-so who got a degree from nobody is basically how that works out logically. Religious liberals are susceptible to being like Sadducees today. Friends, we need to be very, very careful that we we, we, we really get away from even religious conservatism, conservatism, if I even get that word out, the Pharisees can turn into false teaching. We can be so politically minded, we are no gospelly good. And we can be so Sadducee minded, if you will, so liberal in our theology that why even come to church, just go home and sleep in, because you don't believe it anyway. It's just a gathering of good people doing good things. And notice their response. He tells them in verse 16, he tells them very clearly in verse 16, if you want to go back to Mark chapter 8, and Jesus confronts them, and I told you this would be the longest point, and it is, but Jesus tells them in verse 16, and they begin discussing, he tells them this, and they're, they, they, say, they, they say they have no bread. They're still worried about the bread. You ever known someone like that? They get caught up on one thing, and they can't get it out of their minds. These disciples are worried about the bread. And Jesus says, guys, that's the worst of your worry, least of your worries right now. Friends, if it doesn't square with God, then, it, then if we don't disregard it, we'll be influenced by it. Let's go on to the last point, the second point. So we may still misunderstand our Lord's words. They didn't get what he said, but even more so, we may misunderstand our Lord's works. Look at verse 17. Jesus is going to give the sharp rebuke here in verse 17. He says, and Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact you have no bread. Guys, give it up already. You didn't bring the bread. That's not what I'm telling you. 
Do you not perceive, he says, or understand, and have your hearts been hearted? God, it, Jesus is aware of all things. I love that statement there. I don't know what your Bible says in verse, verse 17, Jesus aware of all things. Jesus long knew before, even before he was brought into this world, that this would happen. They're looking to the physical and not the spiritual. Why do you have no bread? Guys, give it up. Let it go. Do you not see? Disciples, do you not see that the mark of a spiritually mature person, even in tough times, is they look to the spiritual? And Jesus just says, you don't get it. You're insensitive. You're thick-headed. You're spiritual knuckleheads, disciples, is pretty much what you are right now. And you hear what you want to hear, and you don't hear what you don't want to hear. And friends, that's exactly what is going on, is that this has been going on for some time with us. We hear what we want to hear in church. Well, did you know the pastor said, oh, really? I played that tape back. I didn't hear that. Did you hear what that Sunday school teacher said? I don't know. I don't know if it's recorded, but I don't know if that's what he said. Look, we all live in a place where no matter what you say or what you do, are we like this? Do we pick and choose what we want to hear, what God says? God may be impressing something on your life today, Christian, that, that He is really hammering home, and you've just said like the disciples, I want nothing to do with it. Maybe we fail to see what Christ is doing in our lives or fail to understand the most basic spiritual truths or forget even to pray. How often are we dull in these things? But notice what Jesus says in verse 18. He gives a spiritual reference here. He goes back to the Old Testament, verse 18. Look back there, if you will. Uh, he's quoting here, having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? One of the greatest things that we have from Scripture is that word remember. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, and he's quoting from Jeremiah 5 and Ezekiel 12, but it shows how well he knows the Scripture. He's the author of Scripture, this God is, but how easily we forget in times of trouble the most basic truths about what we know. How many times in your own life has Jesus uh, brought you to a place, God has brought you to a place in His providence of hardness, and the last thing you do is just go and pray? last thing you do is go and seek wise counsel or whatever it is. And Jesus is quoting them here, what He quoted in Mark 4, where the seed fell on bad soil. And in a sense, He's charging them with this. Friends, your spiritual development is only as good as to what you know, see, and understand in a spiritual way pray for eyes to see. And then they forget. He says, do you not remember? Do you not get it? And in verse 19, they're selective hearers. You ever had this with a kid before? What did I just say? And they tell you exactly what you just said. Look at verse 19. Do you not remember? How many loaves did I give you? They are, they are financial whizzes. Look at this. Verse 19, and having ears do you not see, and having uh, eyes do you not see, and ears do you not hear? When I broke the five loaves of the 5,000, how many did I get? And you bet you, one of those kids is like, ooh, I remember Jesus, I remember 5,000. You're right. And then he goes on, verse 20, and Jesus questions them again. Oh, do you remember? This just happened a few weeks ago, guys. Do you remember? How many baskets full of broken did you take up? And then one of them said, seven, Jesus. You're right again. But they're missing the point. We still may understand our Lord's works, but friends, they are just not seeing it. He tells them, do you not yet understand? One day, you should be in graduate school, but you have not applied your life and you're still in preschool, guys. We're so much like these disciples more than we ever know. And I'll close with this. 
Friend, you need to grow spiritually every day. I need to grow spiritually every day. Our families, our church. Let me just give you four reminders as we close out today. You may still misunderstand the Lord's work, but you need to be reminded of four things quickly. First, you need to be reminded that you need to be exposed to truth all the time. Exposed to truth. Don't think you've had too much truth. How many seminary students walk out of seminary and say, I got my degree, we, we have all we need, but friends, we need more and more and more truth. Very practically speaking, for some of you, that means you need to set up your smartphone to, to remind you to read the Bible each day, as silly as that may sound. For some of y'all, and I love this, the old school folks, writing it out, that's great. For some of you, you may need to set a reminder to pray each day. You may need to set a reminder to turn off that TV so that when you turn off that TV, you don't just go to sleep, but you try and read your Bible. Not legalistically, not pharisaically, not because you get to check a box on a Sunday school card that says you have done that this week, but because you love your Lord. Jesus didn't dismiss them at this point. Aren't you grateful for that? Even when they missed the mark again, he didn't say out of here. He simply said, I have more lessons to give you. You need to be exposed to the truth. Friends, we need to reclaim the 167. There are 168 hours in a week. I know because I just timed it here up into the minute. Meg, we were one minute past last week, so we got we to gotta work on that for next week. But okay, yeah, we're good. But seriously, we need to think about reclaiming the 167. If you're on our emails, and if you're on our emails, you say, Darren, what are some resources to grow? We have a Theology Tuesday that goes out every Tuesday. Read that email. It's on Facebook if that's your thing. It, it, you know, we have wi- the women meet at 1130 every, every, sun, every Tuesday. The men meet every third Saturday. There's Sunday school class. There's so many things. But be careful. Don't just become around truth and get truth and truth and truth and truth and forget that, that, that you're supposed to go out with that truth. But even more so that you could become a Pharisee. You pray that God gives you balance in all things, but you need more truth. I pray for our church for a day that we talk less about the sports, less about the weather, and every conversation, as best as we can control it, talks more about Jesus, even if it means that we're going to say we're struggling in our faith because we need to be exposed to more truth. Secondly, you need to hear the truth. You can't just hear what you hear. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Hear the truth. Uh, You know, you want a very practical resource. I'll go to sleep with these a lot of times. SermonAudio.com. SermonAudio.com, the most conservative, gospel-centered website, has been for 20 years. Millions of sermons from churches our size all the way up. Check it out. Look it up. Listen. Read. Hear the truth. You need to grasp the truth. You need to grasp the truth. Pray that the truth that you hear doesn't go in one ear and out the other, but pray fourthly, and Amy will put this up. Put it into practice. I preach this stuff every week. My wife lives it out. That's pretty much how it goes. And if you're a man here, you can say a hearty amen to that because you know that's true as God brings it in your life. But friends, as we pray, this world is so easy. I mean, come on, don't you feel sorry for, for, for Mr. Duplantis down in Louisiana with his $1.5 million home and his need for a, 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 a th- I mean, I watched that video and, and if you're really not careful, that can pull at your heartstrings in the wrong way. And that's a, that's a very easy example. But friends, don't be duped by false teaching. Know what you believe. Pray that the spiritual is bigger in your life than the physical. Pray that you take care of yourself as you do, but pray that God gives you eyes to see the things that most glorify 
him. And if you do that, you will grow in your faith and know what is true and what is not. Let's go to the Lord as we pray and close out this morning. Father, as we come before you on a routine Sunday in, in the early part of summer, Lord, with all the things that summer brings and all the things that just life brings this week. Father, there are situations in our room where thinking of Brother, Brother Richard who's going under surgery Tuesday. We pray for him. We pray for, for his, his, his safe recovery and, and all that goes well there, Father, and for the family attending. And, Lord, we pray for those traveling. We, Father, we lift up ministries that are ongoing, busy hands, and, uh, Father, uh, uh, just things with youth and things from the pulpit and, and things in music. Father, we pray for our evangelistic efforts and, and all the door knocking that's happening, all the conversations happening outside our walls and outside our neighborhoods. Father, we pray for those who have been sent out from us, like Aaron and others who've gone, Father, into the world to share the gospel far, far away. Lord, there's so many things this church is doing on a daily, even a weekly basis. But Father, in the midst of all those, may, may our greatest prayer be that you grow us to be more like Jesus, that we hear you more clearly, we live for you and love you more dearly as only your Spirit can enable us to do. Father, we thank you that we have truth not because we found it, we love because you first loved us, First John tells us. But Father, we pray that with this truth we have, that it not only solidifies our faith, but it, Father, that others would come to know the same truth that is found only in Christ. Father, be with our church. Whatever you would use out of this sermon, Lord, let it be for your glory. We praise you today and ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen.